five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the King Kong Audio Commentary. Throughout this program, you'll be hearing from legendary stop-motion animator Ray Harryhausen and noted effects master Ken Ralston, who will talk us through many fascinating moments from this classic film. And interspersed throughout, you will also hear actual rare archival interview clips from the filmmakers and cast. Hello, I'm Ray Harryhausen. And I'm Ken Ralston. And we're both in love with the same picture, King Kong. Two geniuses there. They certainly were for their time. Oh, man. Did you see their Chang and Grass? You know, I've never seen those. I think it's great imagining Ray at 13 sitting in the movie theater and this thing coming on and not knowing what you were about to see. And this was after the prologue. They had a live-action prologue at at Grumman's Chinese. Sid Grumman was a great showman, and he had this wonderful live-acting prologue. Oh, my God. How cool. Those are the days, man. I know. They don't do that type of... Now you got to sit through 30 minutes of commercials just to get to the movie you want to watch. I know you do. Again, Max Steiner's great score. It serves those chords ring in the remembrance. But I can't stress how important music was to this film because it's a visual, basically a visual film. Mm, Very visual. And now I remember hearing this, and it may be wrong, but technically, too they had uh, less ability to do a lot of levels of sound effects and all kinds of nuances like that. And so also for Steiner, he was adding a lot more musically to this that took the place of a lot of what would now be the sound effects sort of realm, basically burying the music. This is like an opera piece where you've got great music and visuals going through the whole piece. And each character has their own leitmotif. That's right. Which uh, identifies them in a a very subtle way. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's just marvelous. I would call it a Wagnerian type score, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Because it is closely associated to opera. Mm-hmm. Here is producer, director Marion C. Cooper. And the one thing that you may not know, Maxi Steiner, who wrote the music for this, he still says this is his best musical score. You ought to hear this thing played away from a picture. This is a very fine score, but yeah. you get it so... It has a good love theme for the boy girl. It has a great theme for the ape. It has a theme for the... <laughs> about eight themes. You know, what's interesting about Kong is that anyone who's, who's watching this DVD from a younger generation, you got to remember that when this was released, this was their Jurassic Park. When this thing came out, Kong blew everyone out of the theater, totally took them by surprise, and besides being a great motion picture, well-written, well-acted, everything else, it raised the uh, the bar on visual effects and how they were used in movies. People today are taking credit for how visual effects were used in this movie. Like, they think they're the first to, you know, really utilize effects within a storytelling form in a great movie, and it's like, no, 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 Kong, I think, did that. Everything today is a reinvention of the wheel, isn't it, more or less? Yeah, and they keep making it worse. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You wouldn't trust me to see you through a blow, I hope. When I don't get sore, Skipper. 
But you know what it means to run into the tropical rainy season when you're trying to make an outdoor picture. Months wasted, money gone, and nothing to show for it. Still, you always bring back a picture. And it's very clever in this sequence where they didn't use music until they got to Fog Island after the titles. <laughs> I never knew that. I never even noticed that, but that's great. Now, I got to say that Robert Armstrong is the absolute perfect person for this role. Absolutely. And I don't know if they even ran through a gamut of actors to play it and finally decided on him. It'd be frightening to figure out who they were talking to prior to him. Well, but, he he resembled Marion Cooper a lot. In oh, a way. that's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> because uh, with his flamboyance, and Cooper was a very flamboyant producer. Well, what's also great is that they've got an actor, actually with him and Fay Ray, that can, in their own way, sort of stand side by side with Kong when he's on, you know, when he's there. So he just, I mean, even though he does dominate the whole thing, and it, the film is called King Kong, but, you know, they really have such strong screen presence also. It's very, it's a good balance between the live action and uh, Kong. <laughs> good Lord, you talk as if I never brought anybody back alive. Now, Bruce Cabot, I don't know about it. Where did he come from? I don't know. He was uh, got a French name, and they changed his name. Uh, it's, uh, I couldn't pronounce the French name, That's but funny. they changed it to Bruce Cabot. He's pretty strong in this as, a, as the character he's supposed to be. Yeah, but they know that kind of danger. You never had a woman in any of your other pictures. Why do you want one in this? Holy mackerel, do you think I want to haul a woman around? Then why? Because the public, bless them, must have a pretty face to look at. Sure. Everybody likes romance. Well, isn't there any romance or adventure in the world without having a flapper in it? It's also a really well-shot movie. It certainly is. Really, really nice. And Captain Englehorn is a, a, a really a, a striking figure, as mm -hmm. well as Sam Hardy. He was in a lot of films. I remember his face. <laughs> All right. The public wants a girl, and this time I'm going to give them what they want. I don't know why you're going to get her. I've got to get her, Weston. We've got to leave here on the morning tide. We've got to be gone by daylight. Why? Well, there's a good reason. Everything I hear about this thing makes me like it less. I'm glad I didn't get you a girl. You are, eh? Well, I'll show you. You think I'm going to give up just because you can't find me a girl with a... Marion C. Cooper, of course, he took over the running of RKO. And he was a very flamboyant producer. He produced some very unusual films, including She, Last Days of Pompeii, in the most dangerous game, which was shot at the same time Kong was shot. The, I think Schotzak had Fay Ray and Robert Armstrong during the day, and Cooper would shoot Fay Ray and Robert Armstrong at night in the second picture, right. which was King Kong. It's funny, uh, when I first met Mr. Harryhausen, I was uh, at Forey Ackerman's house, and they ran bits and pieces from these censored pieces out of King Kong, which were in this cut. And also they ran, which when I, at the time I never heard of, The Most Dangerous Game. They, they ran the whole movie when we were there. Yes. And you could see all the sets and just different actors running through this and a whole different premise. But, you know, pretty smart movie making. And they were able to amortize the costs yeah. of both pictures onto two pictures instead of one. Very cool. I catch you, you stealer. Now I'll catch a cop. You like that, huh? No, no, I didn't. Let me go. 
I wanted to, but I didn't. I have an off distillers. Oh, dry up. The kid didn't take anything. I uh, didn't, Troy. I didn't. Well, three people this week. Hey, hey. And uh, you notice the dialogue is so tight that there's no superfluous uh, inference. There's no uh -huh. deviation from the central point. And I, I think that's one of the, the great stress of this type of film is not to let the human actors interfere with the overall concept of fantasy. I don't think the script gets the attention that a lot of this movie does with probably film students and stuff about how well written it is. It is well written. It was well thought out. But it, it takes you by the hand from the depression area into the most outrageous fantasy that you've ever <laughs> seen on the screen. And you believe it. Mm -hmm. By the time you get to Skull Island, you believe what you're going to see. And that's an accomplishment these days. Tremendous. Because kids today, due to television, they've been brainwashed to want action right away, you know. And this builds gradually. You have to invest a lot of yourself in the characters before you get to the island. Otherwise, it, it's a meaningless exercise. You have to know who everyone is, what their motivations are, why they're going. Yes. And feel for them. Then once they're in this incredibly insane environment, you still feel grounded. You know, you still feel, that's, for me, that's why I believe it. I'm still hanging on to the characters running through this world. No matter what I'm saying, I'm still believing the guys who are taking me through this uh, adventure. Absolutely, yes. If you notice in this thing, I got my love story going. The boy fell in love with the girl. You understood who Denham was. You understood the character of the captain. I got them all. So once you got that chase going, I never had to stop to explain a single damn thing, you know. Because you understood it. I spent not 15 minutes, I spent nearly 40 minutes explaining this. And this is why it's so bad on television. They cut most of that. You jump right into danger and you don't believe the thing. Yes, you make moving pictures in jungles and places. That's right. And I picked you for the lead in my next picture. We sail at six. Where to? A long way off. Now listen, Ann. There is a, a naive quality that is very hard to capture today. Yeah. You know, I just hope that the remake will capture it, but it's hard to go back and capture this wonderful quality that is true innocence, I mm -hmm. suppose. Also, Kong works on, a, on an interesting level for me now, which is after all these years, seeing a black and white print of it, and because of what you were just saying, because of the look of it, you know, sort of the, the, the simplicity and the, the, the power, the boldness of the script, and taking you back to that time, it almost feels like a documentary in a weird way, because it's, it's so far back, I have a much easier time of letting go of what I think it is, and just letting it take me on this journey. It almost feels like certain silent movies. I'll watch them, and it feels like you're watching the actual event taking place. Uh, my wife and I went to the Berlin Film Festival about eight or ten years ago, and they played the total King Kong with the things that were cut out, put back in. And uh, here you had a thousand people, a jaded audience of uh, people who go to these festivals. They've seen everything, and the spontaneous applause at the end was most stimulating. They loved the film, and it was a, not a courtesy applause. It was a, a spontaneous reaction to a film 60 years old. That's so great. that speaks very well for it. It still holds up as great entertainment. Now, was all this location stuff shot in that, just out in L.A.? And uh, oh, Yes, uh, I understand it was shot out near Catalina. And this was shot down at probably Long Beach Harbor or uh -huh. in that area. 
Say, Charlie, how many potatoes do you think you've peeled in six weeks? Too many. <laughs> and Faye Ray, prior to this, what was she doing? Her career prior to Kong. Oh, she played in a lot of different films. She mm -hmm. was working on three or four films at the same time she was doing Kong. Oh, man. And uh, she did the Mystery of the Wax Museum right. and, and Dr. X, I think it was, and, oh, several other films. I think she was just cast perfect for this particular part. <laughs> I was unmarried when I started this picture, and I was hunting for a girl for it. <laughs> so Joel McCrae was a young actor whom I'd hired 150 bucks a week, as I recall it. And uh, he'd done a couple of parts, and we were running into the commissary. Uh, and he said, I know just the girl for you. And he walked me up to a little uh, budding star called Dorothy Jordan, who's sitting there. And I said, mm -mm, I want a blonde. So I hired, I hired Faye Ray, who was a brunette, and put a blonde wig on and married Dorothy Jordan. <laughs> oh, this is no place for a girl. I wish you wouldn't keep harping on that. It's very mean of you. Anybody'd think I'd been in a lot of trouble. <laughs> they use that concept in several pictures about a woman being in trouble on the trip. And uh -huh. <laughs> she, they had a similar situation as well. You know, I was wondering, I wonder how much inspiration in an odd way that Hitchcock might have got from this film because it does what he does all the time, which is half, you're going through this one story and suddenly it takes this incredible, you know, 180-degree turn into this wild other thing. Yes, correct. And uh, no one's expecting it. Even though they're going to Kong Island, they're doing this, and you're not really sure what you're doing, what you're going to find there. But the dialogue is, is a, a minimum of superfluous mm -hmm. uh, things that you so find so much to pad a picture today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Do you know how many stages they actually were using for this whole movie? No, I have no idea. I... I haven't seen the uh, production sheets. I mm -hmm. think Paul Mandel, he had some production sheets from Kong as well as Mighty Joe. Apparently there was a sequence of more detail of the monkey uh, because on uh, Steiner's CD, there's a, a music score that was never heard in the picture, which they cut out probably at the preview. Mm -hmm. When do we find out where we're going? Pretty soon now. You gonna tell us what happened? But this gradual build-up is what I found so stimulating, because it takes you on this fantastic trip, without landing you there all of a sudden. It's gradually building up to curiosity, to uh, what is on this island. Love affair. You think I'm gonna fall for any dame? I never knew it to fail. Some big, hard-boiled egg gets a look at a pretty face and bang, he cracks up and goes sappy. <laughs> That's the type of dialogue that was well thought about in the 30s. <laughs> cracks up and goes sappy. Long before I ever came to Hollywood, I wrote the, the story. I wrote the, what you call a treatment. I guess you were about 20 pages, 15 pages. And it had the same basic story you have here. Some of it I wrote right on the set. You know, I had to make up things. Uh, but uh, I had about six big, beautiful black and white sketches done of King Kong as I saw him and the girls I saw him. Exactly as you've seen scenes in the picture. They ain't changed any. And I took those and I had one line. I, I said I had the last line in the picture. 
Wasn't that airplanes killing beauty killing beast? That's all you think. I had that line. And I invented the old Arabian proverb. At the beginning. What? <laughs> the the gal who actually wrote most of the dialogue had never written a script before. She was Shotzak's wife, Ruth Rose. Well, that position is let's have the big chart. You won't find that island on any chart. That was made by the skipper of a Norwegian bark. Well, he must have been kidding. No, he wasn't. Listen. A canoe full of natives from this island was blown to sea. When the bark picked him up, there was only one alive. He died before they reached port, but not before the skipper had pieced together a description of the island and got a fairly good idea of where it lies. Where'd you get hold of it? In Singapore, two years ago. The skipper knew I'd be interested. Does he believe it himself? I don't know, but I do. He's <laughs> gradually exposing the uh, weirdness of the adventure. It was funny, a couple of years ago on the... Uh... Simpsons. I don't know if you've ever seen the Simpsons cartoon show here. Not much, no. But they do this Halloween show every year, and they have different segments on it, and one was called King Homer. Oh. And basically, it was Kong done in like a 10-minute piece. However, when you watched it, you could tell these guys loved Kong because they would actually have these scenes drawn and set up right out of the movie. Oh? I mean, just the, the design of the shots and everything. Although what happened was totally different and ridiculous, but... I just thought, you know, these guys grew up with the same thing. They loved the movie, and they wanted to do this sort of bizarre satire with it. But it's pretty funny. Did you ever hear of Kong? Why, yes. It's amazing to think how the entire world knows that name. Absolutely. Unlike some things, it's like Kong is known everywhere. It's just so, so, so great. It's a magic name. It, mm -hmm. it certainly has power. Deadly fear. Well, every legend has a basis of truth. I tell you, there's something on that island that no white man has ever seen. And you expect to photograph it? If it's there, you bet I'll photograph it. Suppose it doesn't like having its picture taken. Well, now you know why I brought along those cases of gas bombs. Oh, you put on the Beauty and Beast costume. Selznick wanted to cut this sequence out, but uh, Cooper insisted that they keep it in. Do you know his reason? I don't know why he thought it was superfluous, but it, it certainly builds to the suspense. I think it's a perfect sequence for that, uh, for the next uh, fog scenes. Well, for me, too, it, it gives you the, the glimpse of her looking like this ravishing, beautiful sort of Hollywood star, yes. or starlet, because through the rest of the movie, and though she looks great, especially when she's swimming, but it's the only time she isn't beat up, running, covered in dirt, <laughs> <laughs> until the very end of the movie. I've lived a very rough life in my younger days. The first picture I made was a trek in Persia, and Chang was the second, and Four Fellows, which was actually the first <clears throat> picture anybody ever thought of shooting something in Africa, and then shooting something here in... Hollywood, imagine, I'd never seen Hollywood. First two pictures I made entirely on my own. Well, I made them both with Shotzai. He was the cameraman, I was the director, was the setup. Seems he didn't trust me to get the rhino before it got him. I'm fooled with cameraman sense, I do it myself. Those are my very own sentiments. <laughs> 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 I do all the camera work myself. It's the only way to get it right. 
quite calm. You don't expect to see a thing. When they arrive on the island and they hear the natives, Captain Engelhorn says, I think this is the language of the Neus Islanders. And uh, that fascinated me. And I looked on the map and there are islands called Aeneas Island. So uh, my wife and I booked a trip to Sumatra and we arrived at the Neus Islands. And uh, we arrived early in the morning in a fog and I kept hearing Steiner's wonderful score going through my head. When we got to the island and and, uh, they dropped anchor and we went ashore, I thought, well, I'll try Ruth Rose's dialogue on this. And the first native I met who was standing on the pier, I went up to him and I said, Bala, Bala kom nonahi. And he put his hands on his hip and in perfect English he said, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So Ruth Rose created a synthetic dialogue, I think. And they were not black people on this island, they were Asian people (laughs) on the Neos Island. And it said on the brochure, they were cannibals only yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. So uh, uh, I'm glad we lived aboard ship. Of course, last night before this fog shut down, I got a good sight. We should be near the island. Hey, Cookie, I wish you'd make your soup as thick as this. Still remember that line. (laughs) Hey, Charlie, I wish you'd make your soup as thick as this. Okay, Charlie. Charlie, yeah. I don't know why I remember that line. Norwegian skipper must have been guessing at the position. How will we know it's the right island? The mountain that looks like a skull. Oh, yes, I'd forgotten. You told me. Skull Mountain. There was no mountain on the Neos Islands that looked like a skull. <laughs> and there was no wall. I was very disappointed. <laughs> no giant ape. Of course, I forgot that the island sank in the, re- in the son of Colin. That's right. Take the old man. It's that crazy guy, Denham. Listen. You hear anything? No. Let's go! That's not breakers. That's drums. That's a wonderful map painting, isn't it? It's very cool. It's it's fanciful. But and they put the uh, the wonderful birds in to give it that realistic mm-hmm. quality. Yeah, well, the matte painting is the. It's like all the matte paintings in this movie. I know when I was a kid watching Kong, the one thing about it, and you'll see it more in the later jungle scenes with the dinosaurs and stuff, is I believed that this environment existed. And I also, what it did for me, in a strange way, it drew me into this environment in a way where I was worried about what was lying beneath like some jungle uh, plants somewhere in a painting or what could be around the corner or what was behind that farthest group of trees I could see. Besides the dinosaur right in front of me, it was a world that was so mysterious and strange that it created this this worry and this terror in me as a kid where I didn't know when something was going to jump out of this this jungle at any time. Well, a lot of it was, of course, based on Gustave Doré's artwork. Some of them are so close to some of the illustrations that they Doré are, did. particularly the, the fallen log. Yes. My cast and my camera is right with me. Never can tell when you want them. Yeah, but you're crazy to risk Now, them. Jack, run along and deal out the rifles and ammunition. And get me a couple of huskies to carry my stuff. And, Jack, don't forget the costume box. If we're lucky enough, we may get a swell shot right away. Come on, Ed. 
Joyce, let's go. Take it easy with that camera. Okay. Do you have ammunition for those guns? Yes, sir. There have been several reconstructions of the score, mm -hmm. but they've never captured what Steiner got originally, for some reason, in this particular section. In this section. Mm -hmm. Boom. It has a weird, wonderful quality that the visual has. Mm -hmm. Steiner's score was a work of a genius, I think. King Kong is a pretty interesting picture for me because I, what I really wanted to do was make go to Africa and make a picture about gorillas. It was in the Depression, nobody wanted to back it, so I told them I'd make it right on the lot, and that's how it was done. I shot, uh, remember the lake stuff? I shot the boulders of the lake. I built that set on the big stage over on Path A. That's where I did the building the raft and those shots. And I did all that through the jungle. I shot on that same stage. I was actually photographing, directing, if whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was either 11 months or 13 months. And, and usually seven days a week, there were no rules there, no overtime. <laughs> you know what was really great is a couple of years ago, Ray was at Imageworks, and we went across the street for lunch. And we were walking along there, and first of all, you were saying, well, right over there is where we did Mighty Joe Young. <laughs> and then you looked out past some of these stages that exist now, looking at this scene, and you go, yeah, and wait, right down there somewhere was the Kong Wall. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, now listen, what? he's going to say, I think this is the language of the Neos Islanders. Oh. Did you catch any words yet? I'm not sure. It sounds something like the language the Neos Islanders speak. <laughs> that drew me. We had to take this trip to Sumatra to see if the Neo Islands were really like that. Sure. I wish we'd left you on the ship. So this is just in Culver City somewhere. It is. It's in the back lot. <laughs> man. You know, it's a shame that these back lots don't exist anymore. Well, man. they burned it down and gone yeah. with the wind. They burnt down the Kong Wall. And most of this space, you see this Kong Wall? It's condos now and houses. And I know. It's eh, pathetic. It's sad. You can't turn back the clock. No, the genie is out of the bottle. <laughs> Try to get him back in. <laughs> get it. Sabu work. did. Yeah, he did. Ah, <laughs> oh, Noble Johnson, the cannibal chief. Again, in an era when none of this stuff was ever seen before in different cultures, you know, it was a minimum that people would be sort of familiar with. That this threw them into a world that they had no concept of, and it was all just very bizarre and unusual and, you know, fascinating, scary. Now, you know, you're, you're inundated with, I mean, good stuff, but like Discovery Channel and oh, Nature yeah. Channel and taking you around the world. But at the time, you had these funky newsreels and, and things like that that really never opened the, the world up quite the way it is now. That's why it's so hard to recapture that period, isn't no, it? Totally. And films at that time were a novelty, where we're inundated with entertainment today. I love seeing that old tripod and that camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Domino Putty Vigo. Too late, they see us. <laughs> hey, what are you running for? No use trying to hide now. Everybody come out in plain sight. Okay. <laughs> oh, I met Noble Johnson once. He came on the set of Mighty Joe Young oh. one time. They didn't have a part for him in the picture, but he was a big man. I felt like I was standing in a hole next oh to him. Oh, my God. That he is played tough. in a lot of films. He played in, in She. He played mm -hmm. in The Most Dangerous Game and, and The, uh, the Son of Kong, of course. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's scram out of here. Stand still, you fool. Steady, boys. Bluff him. <laughs> this is a wonderful stage scene. Bluff them. Because they had an authentic background to produce this mm -hmm. from their adventures in Africa and, and you know, Barneo. You know, that's what's so good. I mean, now, you know, you have all these, you know, action films and things being made by directors who do MTV and have no sense of life. And then you have this movie done by these guys who had adventures in a time when taking those adventures was hard physically brutal dragging this camera equipment around just like these guys are doing yeah. in the movie and really putting their life on the line all the time and they brought that to this movie you can feel the authenticity of it despite the fantasy element there's well, that grittiness to it the two people who produced it mm -hmm. Shozak and Cooper actually went through yeah. adventures of this nature yeah they lived it so it comes across here so it does come across and Ruth Rose was able to capture it I, I wanted to be a, a geographer and I studied uh, the migrations of tribes at the American Geographical Society. Well, I wake the times in the night and the other place in the day. So a fellow named Isaiah Bowman, who afterwards became head of Johns Hopkins, was the director of the American Geographical, and he taught me how to make maps, and I wanted to be an explorer, and I borrowed $10,000, and I pledged my act of making about 100 a week with feature stories and everything else, and I figured it would take me 20 years to pay it back, and so I paid for 50,000 feet of film, two cameras, and all our expenses for 14 months, almost. We had to win all the newsreel prizes. We made about $2,000. We won everyone. We didn't miss a one. All the still photographers didn't miss a one of those. And I sold uh, six to us to National Geographic, six to a magazine now defunct called Asia by cable because they trusted me. And that paid for us getting as far as Paris with our film. And Schultzak and I went out to Jean, Jean Vier, I guess it is, in the working quarters of Paris. Then with these great big old drums used to develop. We'd never developed any film, but we didn't have enough money to hire the pros. So we took our year's work and developed it ourselves. We didn't, didn't lose a foot of film either. <laughs> oh, and then came back and I was going to lecture with it. Schultzak went down with a fellow named Will Beebe to the Galapagos Islands as his photographer, and I started lecturing at colleges with it. I was the big geographer, and Jesse Lasky saw it and said, I'd like to put it in a theater, and he paid us so much money, I didn't know there was that much money in the world. <laughs> Dulu, get going, Ann. Don't be scared, everything's all right. Smile, Ann, and talk to Jack. Keep a chin up. That was, Max Steiner captured that so beautifully. And he gets criticized occasionally for doing that type of scoring. But it fits the film perfectly. 
probably criticized by people who couldn't write anything nearly Absolutely. close to that. And you know, he's he's he's, uh, he's written some wonderful themes, beautiful themes for Betty Davis films. Oh, great composer. Yeah. I mean, just so many he, scores he's so that are mis genius. Misunderstood, uh, pat particularly today, because he did over three hundred and fifty films, and and there's so many. Uh, different types of scores he mm -hmm. did, like the Fountainhead, mm -hmm. and she was more Stravinsky. And then, of course, he did some very popular ones, like uh, uh, what was the one, uh, Parish, and one of those other ones. Mm. I think The Stolen Life has been restored by John Morgan and uh, Bill Stromberg. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a beautiful score, which people seldom remember, seldom understand, or hear. Yeah, so many of these movies, uh, with the, how great they are, just sort of vanished, except you know, an occasional screening on. Well, there are wonderful people like John Morgan and and Charles Gerhart and yeah. uh, Bill Stromberg who restore this music. Uh, people don't appreciate it when they actually see it with the film, but it, if it was missing, it wouldn't be the same film. I think Stromberg does a very good job, for the most part, on all these scores. I, I love. Uh, I've got the score he's done uh, for this. It's yes, a lot of fun it's to hear. very good. The best one. I like it when they do these obscure scores from movies that no one would. You know, everyone. It's not the top twenty movies. You know, they go uh -huh. off and find these great scores for these odd little. Have movies. you heard the most dangerous game score? Yes. Yeah, that's. Great. I've got it at work. I put it on every once in a while. <laughs> Drives everybody out the office. <laughs> the chase scene. <laughs> that's right. Yes, sir. You'll please come up on the bridge. You go on, I'll wait here. Yes, sir. What's also amazing about this is what's cool is it has this sort of this this rhythm. It's it's building, but it's very slow, very deliberate. And once this kicks into gear, when Kong gets her, it's just a mile a minute. It yeah, just absolutely. explodes, and it's so cool. It just goes nuts. They use the same principle in the most dangerous game, when he blows the horn and sets the dogs upon. Uh -huh. There's that the pace goes and goes and goes, go go go. I wanted to say, wake up, wake up. They've taken her, they've taken her. You numbskull, can't you hear the racket over there? <laughs> Nicely staged scene. Uh -huh. Look how much you were just told in such a brief amount of time. Yeah. That's what's so nice. Economy of vision and, and uh And, and dialogue. So Economy of dialogue. I don't think there's a superfluous word in this picture. Hey, look at that. Torches going through the village. Yeah, looks like the night before election. It's probably a matte painting. Little flicker effect from uh, behind it or something for the lights. Cut holes in the yeah. glass. Charlie, you seen Missy? 
Me not see one, two hours. Against the advice of my wife, we were giving a party for some aviation <laughs> people at my... Ted Curtis, who was two spots as chief of staff, he had the same job in Europe as I had in the Pacific during the war. He was a major general too. And uh, he brought Faye Ray. And we didn't, so we didn't, Faye's very beautiful today. She's kept her age better than any human being I ever saw. She's a beauty. Looks just like the picture. There's scarcely a wrinkle in her face. Only she's black haired instead of blonde. Her natural color. So I got a projector about like yours. And, I got up and made a little speech, everybody, we'd had a dinner with all aviation people. And I got up and said, uh, now, I know this will bore the ladies, and I'm going to discuss some pre-World War I techniques, and I have about a few feet of film to illustrate. <laughs> <laughs> and then I signaled to my son to start it, and I opened up not on where we were doing the picture, just as Bruce, you remember at the night scene where Bruce Cavett uh, kisses before oh, yeah. <laughs> he says, on deck, you know, uh, on that scene. Well, I, it took them about 10 seconds to realize they were looking for They screamed and hollered and laughed. Faye hadn't seen it since she, 1930-something, 33, when it had opened. The ladies really had a good time. <laughs> Here's Ann Darrow herself, actress Faye Ray. And I think one of the nicest things, too, about uh, our beginning uh, so long ago doing these pictures is that we're still friends. James Flavin, who's the first mate in this, he's also in the Betty Davis picture, Still in Life. <laughs> Wonderful. Bang. Mm -hmm. But to see this on a big screen is so different, particularly oh, on a certainly. scene like this. To see it on a 30-foot screen, we're seeing it at a disadvantage, but it's better than television. Mm -hmm. But it's a 30-foot a screen to see the, the spectacle of it is, is, is amazing mm. because it, it, the music stimulates the horror of what's going to happen to the poor girl. What's fun for me too is to imagine the making of it. So here's all these guys showing up around two in the afternoon. They're going to go to their costumes. They're going to go to makeup. Yeah. They're going to go this elaborate thing. They're all going to rehearse. Sun finally goes down. It's an all-nighter shoot, so everyone's tired and cranky. They got to do this thing. They're on the back lot at Culver. It's probably freezing, and oh, uh, they're out there trying to act like it's warm. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going by my own experience, so it's never the way you want it to be when you do it, and. A lot to cover here, man. That's a big deal, setting this sequence up. But listen to how the music mm -hmm. builds here. And here, when they open the gate, mm -hmm. that music is magnificent. What a great design set. Yeah. It's just wonderful. They used the wall again in Chi. Wow. The frantic music is marvelous. I'm fascinated with the sound work on this film because it's very, I mean, you'd look at it now and it's very modern in an odd way. It's like when Kong finally shows up at the end of this, this build-up yeah. and everything just boom. And you hear the trees and everything smashing and you don't see anything. 
It's all done with sound. I mean, that's great stuff. But Steiner worked closely with the sound effect man, Murray Spivak, mm -hmm. so that they would blend with the music. The sound effects were changed many times, and he even changed the music, I understand, to fit the sound effect that was particularly for that sequence. Yeah, I don't think sound guys in the uh, composers work too closely anymore. Not they, they're anymore, usually beating no. each other over the head who's going to be yeah. heard. Turn down those sound effects. I wrote this great piece of music for this. Well, uh, we had that experience in the Clash of the Titans with the Medusa sequence. Uh -huh. The sound effect man said, we shouldn't have music in, in this sequence. Uh, we'll do it all by sound. <laughs> but Lawrence Rosenthal wrote a wonderful uh, music for it. My mother wanted me to become a commercial artist. I felt a compulsion to do certain things, and uh, I don't know where that comes from, but I felt a compulsion to study camera work. I don't know, somehow it gelled. I think the fickle finger of fate has something to do with it. This is a wonderful build-up here. Yeah, and every once in a while, I like this. This is an effect shot, I believe. Oh, yes. It's a miniature wall with projected people on mm -hmm. top who were stabbing on one of the sound stages. <laughs> That's great. They were all on top of a sound stage. Karatane Kong! Otarave Ramok! The dinner bell. <laughs> I hope he wasn't real hungry. Kind of small. What did he do with the other girls? Eat them? I don't know. I don't even <laughs> want to know. Yeah, that's a horrible thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. This sound. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, a dunning shot. So when you were 13, Ray, what were you thinking when this guy showed up the first time? Oh, God. Uh, I almost lost control of my bladder. <laughs> that's the full-size head? <laughs> yes, that's yeah. a, doesn't quite look like it, but, <laughs> but people weren't as critical as they are that's today. Right. How many Kongs were there? Uh, I think there were three Kong, which later became the Son of Kong. Mm -hmm. But the power... And that is marvelous. I found that you had to vary the scale from about uh, 80 feet to the lowest was 18. According to what it would play against, because your eye is variable. And if you notice, I'm very careful to play human beings or windows or something that give size opposite to them. Woods won't give size unless you plant the wood against a person face. The relative scale is all relative thigh. 
Now, when you watch this, Ray, can you tell who animated Kong? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. Obi. Obi. Willis O'Brien, a technical genius, and actually in this picture we had to invent 11 new processes. This was the first time that rear projection was really ever, or there had been two or three tries at it, and uh, this was the first time a miniature projection, and there were a lot of technical things. Now, Ray, I had heard at one point, to help sell this film, tell me if this story is true or not, that the first scene they did was Kong and the T-Rex as a way to get this thing underway? That's what I understand. Because and they, they shot it in such a way that they could use it in the picture. I thought so. And when you look at the work, when we finally get to that sequence, it's some of the best, I mean, it's in one of the best sequences in the movie for me. Yes. And the animation is beautiful. It's absolutely superb. The vitality in it, too. Mm -hmm. But see, it wasn't on a realistic bay. Animals that size wouldn't move that fast. But no. You didn't mind it. The dramatic quality was there, which is more important than the pseudo-realism. That's what I try to get across to a lot of the guys that work for me on these different movies is when you watch this film, the entire movie, especially as it kicks into gear here, has an energy and a showmanship and a power to it that if you want to keep messing with every little pixel on your computer or make it ultra-smooth, you start losing this sort of this primal energy this movie's got. Yeah. And it's in the effects work. It's in it's in all aspects of it. It is. And it just doesn't and let if up. you make it too realistic, it becomes mundane. Mm-hmm. You know? Now here's a great oh, matte yeah. painting. These are matte that... paintings up, up on the mm -hmm. upper part. That's John... a, right out of Doré. It's beautiful source material to start your design of your movie. No one knows who Doré is. Go out and get some books by Gustave Doré and just check out the artwork and beautiful Particularly stuff. Particularly from Matala. Mm -hmm. And the cliff scene, which we see later, was taken from Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just listen to those birds. It's dawn, all right. Look there. Nice, Jack. Hold it, look at that. Yeah, that's a track, all right. Look at the size of that thing. He must be as big as a house. What's also the size of the dinosaurs in this movie are colossal. I know. Stegos, everything is monstrous, but it's so perfect for this movie. It is. Everything's on a scale that's way bigger than life. Well, that's important in a, in a theatrical presentation like this. It, it's not supposed to be a documentary. <laughs> no. No, when I was a kid, this was the scene I was always waiting for. Yeah. Okay, here it comes. Now the dinosaurs are going to show up. <laughs> Beautiful stegosaurus. That's Wonderful. Very clever. Keep another another table, another level, yes. in front of another matte painting, in front of another matte painting, and then on the miniature. Uh, well, I invented a thing which was not known as far as I know, and I got, uh, I didn't execute it, of course, I had some fine artists execute it, <laughs> called Aerial Perspective. This was the first film, so far as I know, I never heard the term, I invented the term, so far as I know. And I meant by aerial perspective, just depth. So the actual depth in that is a little over four feet, and, but I did it by varying. Uh, I sprayed the glasses at various distances back and then got some very, I had three very skillful painters. When I first was getting into all this good stuff, I was at Forrest J. Ackerman's house and they had one of the stegosauruses there at the time. 
Yes, I, it's I, about uh, it's, two and a half, three feet long. Yeah, isn't it must it? have yeah. weighed a ton trying to animate that thing. Yeah. Well, look at the size of Kong we had at uh, the Clifton's Cafeteria today. Bob Burns brought uh, the old Kong armature. They were on a much bigger scale than Mighty oh, yeah. Joe Young. I wonder if any of those matte paintings exist. Anywhere. Which you ones? Know, and the matte paintings for this. Oh, I don't think they probably broke them. They probably off. scraped them off for the next yeah. scene. That's marvelous. Uh, this is that. a great shot. Come on, I got Guys on a treadmill, yeah. I guess, and Quiet. walking. Oh, and it's beautiful. A, a panning background projection, rear projection. What do you call this thing? Why, something from the dinosaurs. With computer-generated image, you can have a dozen people work on that image and refine it and refine it before it finally reaches the screen. And stop motion, you have to start all over again to refine it. So the computer is a remarkable thing. I have a great respect for it, but I think it's a tool. It doesn't mean uh, you have to use a computer for every type of story. I think uh, different types of story. Uh, animation adds that quality, that dream quality. Kong is like a nightmare. It has that dream quality. You don't want it too realistic. Even today, with some of the faults you may see, it's a great film. You know, a million years ago when I was at Cascade with Dennis Muren and Phil Tippett and everybody, somebody brought in all these puppets as they stood. And one was one original Kong, one original Mighty Joe Young. Really? Just the armatures. Black Scorpion. Uh -huh. The Giant Behemoth. Really? I'm trying to remember if there was something else. Also, oh, Sipapu, perhaps, or, 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 yeah, or one of these experimented. Yeah. Uh, Pete Peterson uh, experimented yeah. with his. But I've got puppet of it. I've got stills of these things someplace. I wish I could find them. <laughs> That's him splashing through. Come on. And the other thing that the people you know watching this have to remember that you know to use stop motion in a way that conveyed all this character because Kong is an actor here. He's not just, you know, a, a prop. No, he's not a puppet. No, know. he's I mean, full of, uh, you know, emotion, human emotion and action and all this great stuff, and that doesn't come easy. Animators really have to dig in to, to come up with that stuff. I used to go out on the set every morning and say, Me Kong. There's no man inside of the ape suit, and uh, so I had to go out and act the part of the ape as well, as direct the rest of the picture, most of it. Shodzak did quite a bit, and I did quite a bit. We were partners on it. That's beautiful. It looks like stop-motion guys on that raft, perhaps? Uh, no, I think it was high-speed photography, oh. but it's based on Doré. Ah, oh, this is a marvelous. Well, I think this was at Forey's house too. The practical serpent. Yeah. Fallen all apart. Miniature, high speed. Yeah, great. Willis O'Brien based most of uh, the animals on Charles Knight's drawings. Uh -huh. And you can see that in this scene when you see the head come up. It's just like one of Charles Knight's paintings. Uh -huh. This head yeah. coming up at an angle like that. You see that profile of it. Yeah. Oh, marvelous. This is a dunning shot? Yeah, and a fog superimposed over it. Mm -hmm. 
look at Steiner made that yeah. so much more impressive with his harps. I would imagine that for Steiner, this film was a, a godsend. Oh, I mean, what was. a what a film to create your score to. I know. Ouch! These were some of the scenes these cut are, out. These yeah. are the censored scenes. That's gotta hurt. That shot where the uh, debris is just left behind. Yeah. Wonderful transition. Love the look at that <laughs> shot. Hate to think what they were using for fog on the, in those days. All these puppets were, were huge. Yeah, they were. That was quite a big one. <laughs> oh, there are puppets there, and then they yeah. go into live action. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. Behind the tree. Behind the matte painting. Yeah, there's tree. a little yeah. tiny projection, yeah. a live action projection within this giant painting. Wonderful. I love this scene. Yeah, I guess no one told this uh, brontosaur that he was not a meat eater. <laughs> I know. I like that snarl, the wire. Yeah. that They used yeah. a wire inside the rubber on the lip yeah. to get those snarls. That snapping motion is marvelous. Mm -hmm. That's Murray Spivak screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. So, you're probably wishing you never got on Kong Island or Skull Island, uh, guys. Uh, that's a beautiful shot. Yeah, that's right out of Dore. Were you inspired by that for that? There's that one shot of Mysterious Island. Oh, yes, of course. What else? <laughs> what else? I have to say, like, for me, Mysterious Island was always one of my favorite films of yours. Just and we had the advantage of a good traveling map system to get the people on mm -hmm. the log. This is a good shot here. And here comes, yeah, this is the beginning of yeah. one of my favorite sequences in it. They made the lead up afterwards, I think, mm -hmm. but the, the actual fight between them. <laughs> you notice in that like, shot a few shots ago, there's... Right at the end of the cut, some prehistoric bird creatures flying yeah. in the distance. It's just thrown away just to add realism to it. This is a great shot here, a great angle. Yeah, that's a great composition. Oh, this is there, one. There, this there. was one of the shots they, uh, they did for the fight scene and as well as this. great about this whole film is like you know no holds barred i mean it's oh. it's take it right to the limit try anything don't be afraid to you know fail and they didn't fail i mean they just pushed themselves so hard 
and broke all new ground. You know, you got everyone watching this has Absolutely. to remember that this has all never been done before. Pure, wonderful fantasy. Oh, look at the effort of lifting that log. Now, is that lifted by cables at the other end? Yeah, or is it, it was Because I don't see the, those. They probably shot the log first and then timed King Kong to mm -hmm. match the log. So yeah, you've got a matte painting in the background, a miniature that Kong's on, and you have a projection of Bruce Cabot yeah. inside that uh, mini cave. The other thing, too, it's not that windy on Kong Island, no. but when animators were grabbing onto the puppet of Kong because he's covered in hair, every single frame, they would move his hair, and they tried not to, but it was yeah. impossible not to. And so every frame, it moves a little bit, and, and some more than others. But it could be wind. It could be wind. Yeah, could yeah. be. So after all, he's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I love his throwaway. It's yeah. like, what the heck is that? <laughs> that was one of the creatures uh, along with the spiders, I think. Uh -huh. Oh. And you know, you take it for granted, too. The camera tilts up off of that. In those days, that was not an easy thing. No. In this great shot. Uh, yeah. Such a cool puppet. Back projection and Faye. We did the face as far as I know, true aerial uh, perspective. We did the combination of dunning and miniature projection and live sets, a lot of things. Right on this lot that we're now working on, I did the first rear projection ever made in, in Arceo. It was made with Faye Ray up the tree. It's the first one ever on this lot. Little animated Fay Ray up in the tree. Yeah. Look at that wonderful action. Did they study boxing or anything? Oh, they, yeah. Uh, oh, we used to go to the boxers. I know when we were going to have two gorillas in the Mighty Joe Young battling on the top of a cable car in San Francisco, we, we went to the... Wow. To the boxing rings and mm -hmm. steadied them. I love yeah. that scene. Look at that tail. I always kept my tails going after I saw that film. <laughs> I thought I recognized that tail animation. <laughs> what? <laughs> the tail out of it? Once the foam rubber is put on top of these things, and all the different texturing, yeah. or the hair like on Kong, how, how difficult it is to get a performance out of it, how to move it and yeah. stuff. So it's not just a matter of physical strength getting this thing to move. You have to be the puppet, and you know it better than anybody. You, you have do. to know you that character so well. You have to project so yourself well. into it. Yeah. It's a Zeus complex. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one to have. <laughs> You've done well with it. <laughs> well, I used to sit on the floor with when I was doing Mighty Joe Young with a stopwatch, and and go through the gestures in the jail scene. 
just to time them out and see how many frames it would take to roll over this way. Every joint was movable, you had to move it each one at a time, each thing. One frame at a time, everything. So, like the fight with the Allosaurus, remember when the gal was up the tree? Well, I had to act out both Kong and the Allosaurus <laughs> for the sculptor, you know, at the same time. Mm. So I had to act, I had two animators waiting, I'd act one side and act the other, and then they repeated. This scene when I was a kid bo Ooh. bothered me so much when he breaks his jaw, <laughs> the blood comes he out. He crushes his... Strawberry bottle. There, right there. That's a great piece of business yeah. right there. And then, then the big triumphant chest pounding. Oh, beating that chest. <laughs> I had a secretary. Then she was a little girl in the script department. And I'd sent for a secretary, and she was getting 18 bucks a week or something. So I said, get up in that hand. <laughs> so I had them lift this girl's, because Faye wasn't on there. This was when there were no unions, no gills, <laughs> no anything, you know. She it took, it over, took her out about 12 feet, and I said, look scared. She still said, I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> no, I was just to test the, the lifting of the lifting mechanism of the hand. I have to imagine that Willis O'Brien, when this got the green light or whatever they used to call it in those days, must have been scared to death. When we, I mean, excited, delighted, and then realizing, wait a minute. I got to do this whole thing now. Oh, I'm, I'm just going on my, how I feel about my movies that I get on, but uh, it's like, oh man, we got a we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, they had a lot of it, you know. A lot of it came from creation. Yeah, the sets, some of the sets. See, people take that for granted. I mean, they don't realize it's all this effect mm. stuff going on in a shot like that with painting and That's all that stuff. That's beautiful, much. Uh, That always worried me when he had that pause there. I thought he was up to some more good. <laughs> yeah, what's he up to? No, I thought Cabot did a good job in this. He was a good character with Fay Ray. They had a, a good conversation. The O'Brien birds. Yeah. Now, a lot of this is cut. You can't see. Uh, it's cut off on the right. Mm -hmm. Go from live action. That's live action. Goes into a puppet now. There. So he, now he's in the uh, now miniature. He's a puppet. Matte painting. <laughs> now this is rear projection. Yeah. Also, the the bladder using that for the breathing yeah. and stuff on some of these different shots of different animals. But really, I mean, a lot of work. Decide oh, to put in the real water down yeah. there and project the water in at the bottom of the frame to give it life. The only thing that were built on scale, and I decided to build them to a 45-foot scale. Finally, I built one foot. You know, anyway, you see a foot. I built one arm, one hand, and a full scale. 
and I built one head. And I had three men inside the head. Oh. <laughs> one man analyzed, oh. one man the mouth, and oh. so forth. And I'd give them signals for them. All those men lost. It's incredible. Driscoll said he'd try and signal us. And someone we haven't talked about yet is the man who was building all this stuff, Marcel Delgado. Built a lot of the puppets and. Uh, I guess he did the, did, who did the armatures? When Marcel did the armatures? No, uh, no uh, the fellow who did the projectors, Cunningham. Oh, that's right. I've heard yeah, he made the three projectors, and I got one of them. And, uh, <laughs> I got two of the ones from Mighty Joe. I still have them. But he was a very great machinist, and he made a wonderful little puppet of a uh, little kid on the roof. Oh, that he did that? Yeah. Oh, my God. And that was perfect and had every joint a little child would have. That's one of my favorite pieces of your work. With grabbing the child? That whole thing is like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Mighty Joe Young, little orphan girl on top of this building on fire. And, oh, my. Subtle, little... subtle work there. <clears throat> It's got a great look to it. Yeah, this Again. is very Dora-ish. Mm -hmm. Little stop-motion Bruce Cabot climbing up the rock. Yeah. Mm. Ah. How big would that puppet be? About six inches, oh, yeah, five probably, inches Probably tall? about that big. That's a complicated shot. Yeah, this is double-printed smoke and bubbling goo. All printed into a huge matte painting and... I guess a layered matte painting, too, to blend into so you can come from behind the wall and yeah. enter. It's a beautiful concept, too, of a cave. Mm -hmm. Obi was my mentor, and I worked with him on the preparation period of Mighty Joe Young, which lasted about eight months before the picture was even considered a viable project. Hey, this island's kind of a rough place to live. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's always something you gotta beat up. That's a huge puppet too. I don't think there's anything left of that guy, is there? That, no, I've, I've, I've never, never seen, seen it. it. Yeah. I've never seen the puppet of it. But they look so big, don't they? That's the mass of it. Yeah. That's marvelous. One of my favorite shots there. Yeah. It's just something about it. I don't know what. Lighting or I don't know. And each Kong puppet had a slightly different face. Yeah. Just the way they made them. They, never they were quite looked up. alike. But you didn't notice that when it first came out. No. This is great. Here. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yes! No. <laughs> my God. That's great, making it look that limp when it's not. Uh, Stiff-jointed puppet animated to look real loose is not an easy thing to do. Quiet. What was the hair made out of? Oh, Kong's hair? Kong's hair. I think rabbit fur. Mm -hmm. We had a different kind that George Lofkin concocted on Mighty Joe. More controllable? 
uh, he substituted, he took all the leather off and substituted rubber, uh -huh. and that kept the hair from wiggling so much. Uh -huh. This is the Doré uh, yeah. design. Obi was influenced by people like Charles Knight. He was influenced by his background. By uh, There were very few people ahead of him that were interested in stop motion. So he's sort of the grandfather in America of stop motion photography. Would have been cool to be on the stages where you'd have a setup like that over there on, you know, the corner there near the coffee machine. Yeah. And then over there is the cave where the serpent's going to be animated and people are doing the lighting. Guy's halfway through his matte painting. He's just <laughs> caught. And that's, how I, that's how I envision it, is like that energy, that creative energy that must have been just so dynamic during the making of this thing. Everyone feeding off each other and getting excited about it and every day going in and just pushing themselves further than they've ever pushed themselves. This is also one of the censored... Scenes, yeah. I believe. They took it out because they said it was too risque or salacious or something. And all I did, I, all audiences from six years old to 60 laughed. Uh, right up there, when you, you know when I had him beat his chest against the sun? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the girls back here. Mm -hmm. He turns and picks her up mm -hmm. and he sits down. Well, what I had him do was pick her clothes off. That's why she's so disrobed the next time. <laughs> and she gets that disrobed. And then I'd have him tickle her a little. And audiences roared, little which <laughs> big and all of And that, was, that ran through 52. The French put out a whole book about this picture that somebody must have spent five years of research on because they found out what they said about it in Germany and every place all over the world. And I used to read French quite well, but I don't as well as I did when I was young, but I read it well enough to understand they did a pretty good job. My wife hated it, and they, Ruth Rose was madder than sin because they said she, we'd found a striptease dancer to write the script. They got her mixed up with Gypsy Rose Lee. <laughs> Stop motion Fay Ray. Uh, Very cool. Tough stuff. When I entered the Army, I thought I wanted to be a combat cameraman. I didn't realize they were shot like clay pigeons. So I'm glad I didn't. But I got transferred into the Special Service Division basically because I made a little film four minutes long called How to Build a Bridge. And my teacher showed it to uh, Eastman Kodak at company. He showed it to Frank Capra and I got transferred into the Special Service Division. And I worked with Ted Geisel on Snafu cartoons and made models and several covers for Yank magazine. So uh, it was a great experience that I got to do something during the war that I was able to do rather than just carry a gun. How daring! Lucky they didn't have acrophobia. In the <laughs> yeah. Kind of like that scene from Butch Cassidy. 
jumping off that cliff. Uh, this is right out of Lost World. That's true, yeah. Lest we forget Lost World and all the work in that that led eventually into this. Well, well a lot of it, uh, Kong came from a creation as well as a Lost World. That's a great shot. Yeah. I would love to have been in that audience when, like, you were there and listening to the audience. Oh, yeah. Freaking out. Ooh, just missed the rock. Ouch. They got away from Kong, but... <laughs> of course, this is every boy's favorite scene when she comes out of the... Yeah, yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> God. Little cheesecake. Oh, you looks like they're using dry ice or something for that. Uh, looks like the waterfall, sort of yeah. that smoky stuff. It didn't out. move, did Very, it? Yeah, I it's bubbling it. down. Yeah. It's actually moving during that shot. I think some of it was a real waterfall oh. that was shot because you, they used some of it in the most dangerous game. Oh. It's Kong. Bum, bum, yeah, that cut there is bum, great. Bum, 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 bum. Frantic. Hey, look! <laughs> hey, below! Mr. Denham, Captain Eaglehorn, Mr. Disco and the lady, they're coming back! Wonderful score. Oh. I'm all right. What happened? How'd you do it? Came down the river. Oh, Dad. There, there, you're safe now. We'll have you back on the ship in no time. Wait a minute. What about Kong? <laughs> well, what about... <laughs> this is so great. We came here to get a moving picture, and we found something worth more than all the movies in the world. What? We've got those gas bombs. If we can capture them alive. Why, you're crazy. Besides that, he's on a cliff where a whole army couldn't get at him. Yeah, if he stays there. But we've got something he wants. Fuck the Lieber. Hey, look out! It's Kong! Kong's coming! Wonderful. All that panic. A great shot when he finally breaks through. We never questioned at the time why the natives would have built a big door like that to let a big monster through. That's right. It's big <laughs> enough for Kong. The wig fell off the extra. They didn't reshoot back in those days for stuff no. like that. Oh, first take. Yeah, we got to get this film done. Look at that. Oh, a massive gate. Oh. Mm -hmm. 
Steiner knew just what he was doing there. <laughs> this is a great match. Huh? John. This sequence will have the censored footage where he really does some yeah. maiming of some of the natives and stuff. I he guess probably did much more that they cut out originally. Oh yeah, look at that's a great shot. Bang! <laughs> Son of a bitch! You Coconut shells for a bra. God, they must be uncomfortable. <laughs> That's a great shot, too. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. There's so many wonderful shots in it. Censored scene. Oh, uh oh, oh my <laughs> God! I always yeah. wondered when I was uh, watching this. Oh, he looks like he's tearing them oh, in yeah. half. <laughs> that doesn't taste so good. Oh, ouch! You guys are gonna get it. Mm. And they would cut back into it on TV, like here. In the movie, it's like I was always baffled by what happened. <laughs> Suddenly, he walks up to it and it's smashed. <laughs> oh, a lot of murder and mayhem kind of took some of the the love Ooh. you had for Kong out. <laughs> uh, the poor man in the mud. That's right. Take fifteen. Clean him off. All right, back in the mud you go. Squash, 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 like a fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, he probably got paid a buck to do that and a free lunch. What the heck? <laughs> this is a great shot, too. Oh. Throw the bomb. Bang. Double exposure of the explosion in front of Kong. Yeah. And all the live action guys shot somewhere on a beach or a set, and then the rest is split. They were in shot against a uh, background of probably the uh, Williams process or the Dunning mm -hmm. Dunning process. What was the Dunning process in the simplest way? It was done way? with colors in black and white, mm -hmm. uh, orange and two different colors. I met Dodge Dunning some years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but uh, Ray's got a sculpture he did at the, uh, what's it called? The the Blantar Park David Livingston Center. Is that what it is? It is, just outside of Glasgow. Oh, but the one in England, the uh, the uh, the Kong sculpture that you did in oh, the, the Motion Picture Museum. Oh, yes, that's in the, in the um, Sony Museum, one of the bronzes. 
Where have I heard that dialogue before? That's wonderful. He ate the wonder of the world. I use that for my unveiling, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think I learned many things from watching Kong, which in the turn was Obi. He had to project himself into Kong. And that made it so much easier when I was animating Maiji Joe Young because I, I almost felt that I was projecting Obi and myself into the figure. can't read it. I like the guy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> the hand-picked husband look. Oh, quite. But this is more in the nature of a personal appearance, madam. Well, I never thought I was going to see someone. This was shot at the Shrine Auditorium. <laughs> Gee, ain't we got enough of them in New York? I don't like to look at him, Jack. It makes me think of that awful day on the island. I wouldn't have brought you, but, well, you know how Denham insisted. Of course, we had to come when he said it would help the show. Do you think we'll really make a lot of money? Well, enough to pay him back for these clothes, anyway. <laughs> Gee, you know, it's the first time I ever had on one of these open front suits. <laughs> Hello there, you're just in time. Gee, and you look great. I'm glad I dressed you up for this show. Well, Jack, $10,000 in the box office. Not bad for one night, huh? Wow, in those days it was quite a bit. Wow, we we can retire. Look at the size of that animal. Hope he's tied up good and tight. Sure he is. Denim's taking no chances. Oh, here the boys from the press. Come in, boys. This is Mr. Even back there, the media was to be careful of. Watch it. They're the ones who cause all the trouble. I know. All those flashbulbs. Anything for the story? The paparazzi. Yeah, the paparazzi and all hell breaks loose. Stand there and chuck bombs. Well, so you're the hero. Come on, give us a story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Lay off me, boys. Miss Darrow's the story. If it hadn't been for her, we couldn't have gotten near Kong. He followed her back to the village. Beauty and the Beast, huh? That's it. Play up that angle. Beauty and the Beast. Kong could have stayed safe where he was, but he couldn't stay away from Beauty. <laughs> That's a story, all right. Now, how about a few pictures? Uh, just a minute. I want you to come out on the stage and take your flashlights out there in front of the audience. I'll go out now and make a speech, tell them about Kong, Miss Darrow, and Mr. Driscoll. Then when I call you, you come out there and take the pictures, eh? Okay. Stand by, Ann, when I call you. Oh, now it's all right. That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> think you're so smart. Now, is that curtain just the bottom half and the rest is some kind of a, uh, a, a painting? A painting? No, I think it was a, That's a shrine. Right. Maybe, oh, okay. I'm not sure. But this, uh, when, later it's a miniature. When it, when it rises in front of Kong? Yeah. story's so strange that no one will believe it. But ladies and gentlemen, seeing is believing. And we, my partners and I, have brought back the living proof of our adventure. An adventure in which 12 of our party met horrible death. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before I tell you any more, I'm going to show you the greatest thing your eyes have ever beheld. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. But now he comes to civilization, merely a captive, a show to gratify your curiosity. Ladies and gentlemen, look at Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
is much smaller, but we, we don't notice that when we're seeing the picture. <laughs> They wrote a book called Girl in the Hairy Paw, which tried to portray King Kong in many psychological different phases. And you can read anything. It's like an ink blot. I think a film is like an ink blot. It tells you more about the person who's watching it than it does about the film itself. Marion Cooper always says that uh, he just set out to make a, a damn good piece of entertainment. grasp of Kong by her future husband. I want you to meet a very brave gentleman, Mr. John Driscoll. <laughs> I don't think Kong likes him. He's watching his every step. Yeah. That's really an interesting piece of animation. Okay. Got to step on him. The gentlemen of the press to come forward so that the audience may have the privilege of seeing them take the first photographs of Kong and his captors. All right, boys. You know, it's rather strange. In the metallic program that they gave you in the Grumman's Chinese, or in the Hollywood Reporter, I think it was, there's not one picture of Robert Armstrong, and he was the lead in the picture. That's strange. Don't be alarmed, ladies and gentlemen. Those chains are made of chrome steel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chrome steel's not as strong as you think. <laughs> Get them together, boys. They're going to be married tomorrow. Put your arm around her, Driscoll. Big mistake. See, this is what flash bulbs can do to people. <laughs> That's a good shot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the scale of it. Yeah. Rear projection. Yeah, maybe that wasn't Chrome steel. <laughs> Computer. Uh, uh. Jump down. Aye. <laughs> Good stunt. Wrecked a nice car, but... Another censored scene. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit. This is probably the most disturbing scene in the movie where what he finds out it's not her and just and drops, drops her. her. I know. Okay. Now that... back. <laughs> That's right. But then we wouldn't have drama, would we? That's right. That's a wonderful shot, lit beautifully. Was that the miniature and painting, or was it all miniature? What, in the background? Just looking straight up. Yeah, after it I got to a certain point. I think had uh, some miniatures... Picked her up upside down. All this uh, humiliation. Totally innocent bystander. Oh, yeah, no! Yeah, I mean, Gosh. 
Okay, that's not her. Well, everyone's wrong in this. The bars don't hold him. The still doesn't hold him. You're not safe. Every... <laughs> He's a peeping Tom. No. <laughs> that's a great image. Though. I think that's one of the classic sort of icon images of it. You saw the drawing of a, he, that they made in the first place. Yeah. It? Yeah. Try to go on from O'Brien's work, and then ILM picked up, and the snowball rolls on. It gets bigger and bigger, and now we have the computer animators who say that our films affected them. So I'm grateful that we've left a positive influence, and Charles Schneer and myself really tried to make pictures that were constructive rather than destructive. I rather pity some of the young people today who are growing up in this atmosphere of violence, nothing but violence. You can only settle a problem by the fist or the gun. And uh, it's not a, a proper atmosphere. It's rather disturbing, I find it. You can see some of the hair sort of moving around just from the guys having to, from Willis, muscling this puppet. It looks like wind. You could pass <laughs> it for wind. Ray, do you have any idea how long they're effects schedule was on this film? I, I have no idea, no. Because there's so, I mean, so much work in this thing. I know. All the pre-planning, all the pre-design, uh -huh. all the, you know, the, well, the organization of getting all yeah. this stuff to come together is astronomical. And they certainly didn't have the crew that they have today. No, just I, a handful of crew. I always remind my guys the same thing. It's a, or, or a lesson to do. I, I always wanted mm. to do it with Seventh Voyage, but to do it with this would be the same thing. Is okay. Let's go through this movie, although maybe Peter Jackson's doing that now. And let's well, he has a big crew. Oh yeah, but let's budget this the way we would do it now, and compare it to the original price of the movie. It's beyond terrifying how expensive it is now. Oh yeah. stuff yeah. a lot of layered material in a shot like that guys running in front of kong the building that's matted in with everyone in the windows this is all miniature and then the people in the foreground rushing around yeah. oh slam on the brake this has a great practical this is yes, lovely mother doesn't it turn over actually with these uh, guys he in pulls it, it down no it doesn't turn over uh, can't that's a great shot they use that in the windows yeah too. same piece of film 
<laughs> See the miniature people coming out the bottom. Oh, of... yeah, yeah. Just all those little puppets. Oh. That stuff there, yeah. Oh. I don't know what that meant. That was a strange gesture. Yeah, who's he swinging at? Who's he looking back at? Attention all stations. Kong is going west. He is making for the Empire State Building. Stand by for further reports. He goes up there. What can we do? We won't be able to get near him. Thanks. He's a big help. He is still carrying Andaro. That is all. That licks us. There's one thing we haven't thought of. What? Airplanes. If he should put a hand down and they can fly close enough to pick him off without hitting her, you're right. Planes. Another great piece of music. <laughs> Biplane is so cool. Mm -hmm. That's a great shot. What is he doing with Fay Ray? He must hold her in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't question that. I never questioned it in the first oh, place. Oh, no, you're just... Only after I saw it many times. What's so great that these images are just burned into the uh, consciousness into... of so many. The planes flying towards the Empire State Building, him on top. Yeah. Don't get on the road! I'll be shooting! It was never a man in a suit. There's been rumors around, but it's it was animated puppet. There's stills of that being animated, I believe, yes, on, a, on a board or something. Buzz Gibson yeah. did some of it. It's a matte painting, mm. I guess, of the Empire State Building. No, it's a real Empire State Building. Oh, that is? Yeah. Wow. And they double printed. They had a mat there, and then they matched the background to, so that you wouldn't see the insert. <laughs> That's Cooper and Shozak in the plane. I always thought it was so um, interesting that they're the ones who shoot them off the Empire yeah. State Building. It's the only part I played. If you look at the pilots, you see in the scene, that's me. That's the actual pilot. I shot it out right where Lockheed Air Terminal. You know, what do they call it now where the Lockheed factory is? They used to call it Lockheed Air Terminal. And I shot it out there one day. And then uh, I did a little of it in miniature. Well, which I can tell readily with the audiences don't get, but most of that's real. Oh, that's a good shot. I mean, in. yeah, the, the difficulty in those days to get a shot like that. Particularly the stop-motion motor wasn't attached to the camera either. On a was, cable or something? It was down on a, a rod, mm -hmm. so they had to move the motor as well as the uh, camera. Oh, my God. Great. Oh, That's great with the plane. And the one in the background flying yeah. by on a flying rig, these little lines holding him up, and mm. they would have the rig holding the plane above the scene so you couldn't see it animate that. Don't shoot him. Well, that's a great shot. 
What's so great, too, is because of everything leading up to this, despite everything, some of the insanities done, that's cool. (laughs) They had a shot which they cut out of him falling. But the pathos of them, as this is happening to him, you know, it strikes everyone the same way. It's, you know, it's no one wants to see him killed. No, Diana always cries when he falls off the Empire State Building. But this is a huge leap forward in, in effects work. You know, in those days, to get that kind of emotion across this foot-and-a-half-tall rubber puppet, it's amazing. And you worry about him. Yeah, you're really concerned. You know he's out of his element. He should have fallen on uh, denim. (laughs) (laughs) Quite. (laughs) And the score helps so much, too, then. a nice maneuver there how he yeah, did that twisting around <laughs> she was lying in the wrong direction yeah and everyone's nervous because he's shot and wounded and he's got her up above all this you're going oh uh. <laughs> don't drop her too i think she was projected on a card uh, mm-hmm Good expression right there. Yeah. That's it. One of the great death scenes of all time in film. Quite. Oh, that was a little miniature. Mm -hmm. I think Peter Jackson has that miniature. He he bought it as that miniature. (laughs) The little flexible thing he showed it to me. Oh, how funny. Uh, Loose joints and you... They dropped it uh-huh. from a height. Tossed it at high speed? Yeah. Once again, Faye Ray. Well, of course, this picture was a special a one. It was unique. You can't compare it, really, with anything else. Mm. It's wonderful to see it again. I think it must be about my... 175 times, but congratulations. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're a Kong lover as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There are very few of us left. Oh. Yeah, we'd like to thank everyone for watching this because it's, it's an education in film, not just film history, but in the art of cinema because it truly is one of the great motion pictures of all time and should be studied. And, you know, there's a lot going on in this film and so much so that you just take it for granted. It, it's done so perfectly. So thank you. Yes, it's a great pleasure to see it again. I think it still holds up as one of my favorite films. This concludes our commentary for King Kong. Thank you for listening.